Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, as we do week by week, we ask you to be here with us in this place, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here in our midst. May my words now be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Sing with me. I want to be, I want to be like Mike. Oh, if I could be like Mike. When I was a kid, everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. This was a song that used to be sung. We would actually sing it as we played basketball. So strong was the desire to be like Michael Jordan. But every generation has their own hero to imitate. Jordan may actually still be it um, in basketball, which is a testament to his greatness and his staying power. I was thinking about who it might be in the world of music, and I was realizing that it's probably somebody that I've never actually heard of. Uh, Is Ariana Grande still a thing? Uh, Taylor Swift, she's still up there? I don't even know who. We are all imitators, though. We are natural imitators. We all want to be like Mike. Whatever our field is, we want to be like The best person to ever do it. Aspiring actors watch the greats. Painters copy the classics. Writers imitate their heroes. We all have a list of people that we wish we were like. We want to be like Billy Graham or Jackie Robinson or Norman Rockwell, John Irving or Steve Jobs. And these are just mine. You might want to be like John D. Rockefeller, George Washington Irving, Thomas Keller, Rosa Parks, maybe for you it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Branson, the Dalai Lama, or whoever invented General Tso's chicken. Okay, that's mine too. Um, But you see what I'm saying? We're all imitators. And of course, for those of us who sit in church pews or folding school chairs, as the case may be, uh, we may shoot even higher. I'm reminded of a classic Homer Simpson line when he says, I'm sort of like Jesus, but not in a blasphemous way. <laughs> and isn't that the ultimate example for us? The, the, the real thing that we shoot for, the ultimate object of our imitation. Jesus Christ, the man himself. This is why people wear uh, what would Jesus do And, you know, I made a joke in a sermon a few weeks ago about how nobody wears what would Jesus do anymore. But then I was in a few airports this week and I saw a ton of what would Jesus do bracelets. So I think it's sort of a regional thing, but it's definitely still a thing. 
And the point of the what would Jesus do bracelet is pretty simple. You all know it. It's sort of the jewelry version of this imitation that we're talking about. It's supposed to help the wearer be on point in their imitation of Jesus Christ. You think about what Jesus would do and then you try to do it yourself. And it seems like that's a pretty laudable goal, right? In Ephesians, we read that we are to be imitators of God. As dearly loved children, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. Now, for all the human beings that we look up to, we at least have something to shoot at, right? Some theoretically achievable goal, right? The, the down-home preaching style of Billy Graham, the social vision and athleticism of Jackie Robinson, the precise brushstrokes of Norman Rockwell, the poetic prose of John Irving, the technical brilliance of Steve Jobs. Sort of understand what imitating these people might look like. It's a high bar, but one that we sort of know how to shoot at. What on earth does it mean to be an imitator of God? Well, as you might imagine, in Ephesians, after telling us to imitate God, Paul attempts to tell us what that might look like. Here's what he says in Ephesians, right after telling us to be imitators of God. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Basically he's saying, be good. Be really, really good. Jesus says much the same thing when he says that if you want to be a part of God's family, you have to be perfect in the same way that his father in heaven is perfect. Be an imitator of God, Jesus says. And imitating God means imitating his goodness, his holiness. And so being good isn't good enough. You have to be perfect. And there's the rub with imitating Jesus or imitating God. Perfection is just too high a bar. No one thinks that perfection is really attainable. We all say this to each other all the time. I may not be perfect, but... So we turn our attentions, our imitations elsewhere. We try to be like Michael Jordan instead. Who is it that you imitate? Think for a second. Is it your parents? Some people imitate their parents. Or how about... Is it the opposite of your parents? Are you imitating the person you wish your parents had been? It's an imitation either way. It's an example that you're trying to live up to. Or perhaps you're trying to imitate someone at your work. Someone who always seems to say the right thing. Who always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Or maybe even just somebody who seems to be wearing an outfit that goes together. Who, who are you imitating? Are you imitating the father of the family down the street from you? 
the one whose kids always seem to be so happy and willing to do the things he asks them to do. The man who seems to have such an open and honest relationship with his wife. Or are you going the other way? Are you imitating the opposite of your sister, who's so put together, who already owns a home and a minivan and has an MBA? Is that why you're learning the sitar and living in a commune in Arizona? We're all imitating something. And the tragedy of these imitations, even if we're successful, is that they don't get us the peace that we think they're going to get us. It's only, it turns out, in perfectly imitating Christ that we might hear God saying those coveted words. Well done, good and faithful servant. But of course, that's not the gospel, is it? You all know that. The Bible says that if righteousness could come by the law, by obedience, by this kind of imitation, then Christ died to no purpose. In other words... Christ went to the cross to announce that it is finished, this imitation game. He came there to bring an end to all of this striving, to assure us that no more work is required, that we can take off our what-would-Jesus-do bracelets forever. We hear that well-done, good and faithful servant, not because of the quality of our Jesus imitation, but on account of what Jesus has done for us. And that sounds like the end of the sermon, doesn't it? And I saw some of you curiously looking back into your readings. What Bible verse is he talking about? Because now here comes Paul writing in Philippians, seemingly undercutting everything I just said. He doesn't seem to be pointing to Christ much at all. In fact, he tells us to imitate him. Paul says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. And observe those who live according to the example you have in us. What is Paul talking about? This seems to be the height of self-congratulation, doesn't it? He's pointing people back to himself. Imitate me. Paul must think pretty highly of himself if he's telling a church full of Christian people to imitate him. So what is Paul doing here? Is he, taking, is he telling us to take off our what would Jesus do bracelets only to put on what would Paul do bracelets? Well, yes, but not in the way that you might first think. Because if you look closer at what Paul is saying, you'll see that he's, in fact, not adding weights, not adding burdens, not giving you more things to imitate, but he is, in fact, taking burdens off of you, lightening your load. St. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. Observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of His glory. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love 
and long for. My joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Though Paul does tell people to imitate him, he never once mentions anything good about himself to imitate. In fact, he's constantly referring to his state of need. Our citizenship, he says, is in heaven. It is from there that we are expecting a Savior. And then he says this incredible thing about what the Savior will do. He will transform the body of our humiliation, our failure, our shortcoming, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. So how is it that Paul wants us to imitate him? What kind of bracelets is he selling? Does he have what would Jesus do? Does he have what would Paul do? Well, not really either one. He seems more likely to be selling give up bracelets. He might as well be saying stop trying to imitate everyone you look up to. And especially the way you're doing it, stop trying to imitate Jesus. That's not the way it works. It's out of your reach. It's just making your life hurt, this body of humiliation. Instead, he seems to be saying, imitate me. Give up. Stop trying and start waiting. Because what you're really trying to do is to justify yourself. You think that if you can just make the perfect meal or get the perfect job or avoid that particular sin, everything will be okay. We convince ourselves of this all the time. If we can just blank, everything will be okay. But Paul says, wait for a Savior. Jesus makes everything okay. He will take that humiliation you feel, having failed to live up to expectations, and turn it into His glory. And we might call our quest to live up to the example of whoever it is we're trying to live up to, a quest for glory. And the great theologian Martin Luther said that the quest for glory is never satisfied. There's always a further level to go. He said that it is never satisfied, only extinguished. The quest to live up to our idols, be they artist or preacher or visionary leader, or even God himself, are never satisfied. They can never be satisfied. They must therefore be extinguished, put out, given up. We don't live up to our Savior. He comes down to us. So this morning, maybe if just for a moment, give up on imitating. Let's imitate Paul and give up. Let's wait for a Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen to his promise. This is his promise. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. He will make us the imitators we fail to be. 
he will transform us. Our refrain, therefore, is Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. We wait. Jesus comes and saves. Amen.